Okay, so the last couple of times, talked about why we're to glorify God and enjoy Him. And the question I left us with last time was, well, how do we do that? That's an expression that we use. You know, give glory to God. How do we kind of unpack that? It's like saying, how do we praise God? Yeah, if I say, praise God, some people will be dancing and rolling around and jumping up and down. Yeah, what's that phrase really mean? Um, so, and, you know, from MacArthur, I forgot to pick up a Bible, but um, can you just hand me the, the big one there? Um, He suggests like, I don't know, 12 or 13 ways that biblically are expressions of glorifying God. So the first one is Philippians 2.9. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. <clears throat> well, uh, the suggestion is that uh, it brings glory to God when the Christian confesses Christ as his Lord and Savior. The name, because Christ is the name above all names. And uh, you look at the next uh, verse also, verse 10, I think it is, that um, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the, the Father. So the, uh, the suggestion is to come to Christ and confess him as Lord and Savior brings glory to God the Father. To reject Christ displeases God. But to confess Christ as Lord, whether in heaven or on the earth, every tongue that confesses Christ 
This brings glory to God. So, there's a very real aspect that if we don't come to Christ, we don't confess Christ. It's not glorifying to God. It doesn't bring glory to Him. So what do you think? Thoughts about that? I mean, ultimately, because God is sovereign, even the reprobate, the non-elect, gives glory to God, ultimately, in God's judgment. But, you see this aspect of how we honor Christ by confessing Him as Lord and Savior. And that's glory to the plan of God, to the Father, for uh, His redemption. So what do you think? Well, this particular verse goes on to say at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. So that's getting to the idea that Jesus added in that the unbeliever brings glory to God. Well, and at the judgment, they will bow. Yes. So, uh, but again, yes. Lifting up the name of Jesus glorifies God. Yes. The, the honor of the Son glorifies the Father. And uh, we dishonor the Son by rejecting the gospel. Uh, the provision that God has made. So, so in, a, in a real sense, to reject Christ shows that we're not willing to glorify God. We're living for our own purpose, our own natural desires. So that's even something you can speak of on the street mark that if you reject Christ, you're not honoring God. You're showing yourself to be an enemy of God. And uh, defeating the purpose to uh, glorify God. So any other thoughts? Well, let's look at point the next point, uh, we glorify God by aiming your life at glorifying God. So this goes back to our purpose statement. Uh, our purpose is to glorify God, enjoy God, pursue God and His righteousness. Uh, again, it's not natural for us to want to have a desire 
to live a godly life. This is part of us being a new creation, having a new art with new desires. So the Christian can say, I want to aim my life at God's purposes, God's glory, instead of my kingdom, and what I can do for myself. Um, MacArthur suggests that it's like God is the grid that everything in life is filtered through. Is it God-like? Does it bring honor to God and to Christ? Does it bring honor to the Spirit? You know, or is it outside of that, that grid? Um, so let's look at, again, a couple of verses. First uh, Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, uh, everything we do is filtered through that purpose statement. Uh, you know, we don't think about that. Let's be honest. We go and eat. You know, we might say a prayer, but we don't even think about the simple thing of drinking a cup of coffee and having a piece of bread. Is this honoring God? Um, thank you. But yes, the, even the mundane things of driving your car, studying for a school test, or, you know, whatever, doing your dishes and housework, doing your job. Am I doing this? to honor God. Um, again, Mark, you bring this up when you preach a lot that six days were to work and a day of rest, but the six days of work shouldn't be a, a bitter, spiteful, angry experience. You know, boy, I hate this. But it should be, this is how God provides to me. And we should honor God in our work even. So, how about... Uh, complaining is kind of a national pastime. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And it affects us, because that's the culture we live in. The waters too. <laughs> Jane and I used to go to this diner called Quaker Diner always had pretty good food and we asked a friend of a, she said oh I hate it it's like eating cat food <laughs> I mean we never had a bad meal 
at this diner, but she couldn't stand it. I'll never go there again. That's, again, like you said, a national pastime to complain and to blaspheme God are two big national sins. Documentary on uh, I guess TV last night. It was uh, done by Greg Lurie. as uh, a documentary of Steve McQueen's life. And you know that he first got introduced to Christianity and the gospel in the making of the movie The Blob. I remember. I remember. We're on the cast. To the crew, and he's like, Oh, this is interesting, they're different. Uh, you know, it was a long time before he came to Christ. Now, the, the documentary is, is about him coming to Christ, which I didn't know that happened. Uh, and then he died at age 50 of mesothelioma, so he didn't live a long life, but he only was a Christian maybe for a year or a year and a half, I guess. It like, but it was the only time in his life he was happy, so he found. Uh, Okay, so uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. I'll do that. I have it already. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, so uh, we glorify God by... uh, not grieving the spirit that um, it's the spirit who should direct and control our lives Uh, the triune God the three persons are not fighting each other for control yeah all three participate in redemption in our sanctification and uh, when we live a spirit-filled life it's to the glory of God but to go back to MacArthur's point we do that by aiming our life to please God to glorify God if we don't aim our life at that purpose it won't be spirit-filled. Um, Daniel 1.8 Daniel purposed 
in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine he drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So again, how did Daniel aim his life? He purposed in his heart to put God first, to obey God, and to serve God and not the king. Um, that's a great example for us, the life of Daniel. Now, uh, MacArthur made the point that if we truly want to glorify God, aim our life at that purpose, then we should expect suffering in this world because the world hates that. We're going diametrically opposed to the ways of the world. So, if you can think of some examples, perhaps. But just for example, I should get up and go worship God on Sundays. No, no. You have to watch the football game. You have to go to the family function. How dare you not do that? And we get mocked and ridiculed. three subpoints under this. The first one is aim your life at any cost at the glory of God. Uh, well, it's the, but the, uh, we don't necessarily have to read the whole chapter, but, um, What happened when Moses came down from Sinai and the people were disobedient? So Moses' anger burned and he um, smashed the tablets he had just gotten and then he 
turned the calf into powder and made them drink it. Yeah. So he executed. Doesn't seem to reduce Moses for smashing the tablets either. <laughs> Uh, and Aaron gave excuses. Yeah, just I threw stuff in the fire, and it just bought the. I take this cat. I love that. <laughs> I don't know. Alan, uh, <laughs> but um, what else happens? What did Moses? What else did he do? He executed judgment on the people. Thousands of people died because, see the point is, Moses took a stand for the glory of God. That was not what the nation wanted. And, uh, it was such a severe stand for the glory of God that he had to bring judgment on thousands of people, which is probably not a popular thing. Remember, there were 600,000 people in Israel. They could have rebelled against Moses. But Moses took a stand for the glory of God. And uh, whoever's on the Lord's side, come to me. Yeah. Daniel does the same thing. He and his friends, they purpose to glorify God and not serve the king. Daniel purposes, I won't bow down to the idol later on. Sure. Yes, making your decision in advance. Yes. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a, a woman. So you come up with the game plan in advance. So when the thing comes up, it's like, nope, I'm turning my eyes or I'm not following the crowd or whatever. I'm not making provisions for the lust of the flesh. So we see these examples that. If you aim your life at the glory of God, it's not popular in the world. Uh, we might suffer for it. Uh, uh, there can be a harsh reality to that. I mean, you think about Moses' example, taking up the sword against the people seems like to modern man they would say you know Moses is uh, just a, in a murderous rage but he's defending the glory of God at all costs so uh, the next point he says be willing to suffer when God suffers when the glory of God is mocked or dishonored. Um, 
Psalm 69 uh, points to this in John chapter 2. Um, maybe uh, you can look at Psalm 69 and get the highlights of it. In uh, John 2, Jesus is mad, cleanses the temple, and they say, why are you doing this? And he said, it's supposed to be us a prayer. And, uh, you know, zeal for the house of God consumed Jesus. Uh, it wasn't a popular decision. Um, again, many times we take a stand for God and his glory. And the world opposes us. We can lose a job or uh, an educational privilege or whatever. Because being a Christian, standing for God and God's word is not popular. Um, what do you see from Psalm 69? Just some highlights there. Um, yeah, alienation from family members. And there is the verse, zeal for your house has eaten me up. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen. I mean, so people disrespect God and they disrespect me in turn because I honor God. Um, and we see that. How many times have Christians... They become a Christian and they're disowned or hurt or even killed by their families, especially in because of false religion. But uh, even maybe not that harsh, but just like, well, you're no longer my son or daughter if you're going to believe that foolishness. And uh, Psalm 69 is referred to in Jesus' zeal for the glory of God in the temple. So, uh, And the, more the end of the psalm is, you know, a prayer for draw me nearer to you. And, you know, you know my reproach and my shame and... You know, my honor is in you alone, so it doesn't matter what you think about me. And, you know. and ultimately, heaven and earth will praise him. Right. Um, I don't know the missionary's name, but MacArthur referred to a missionary in India who became physically ill when he saw the practices of a Hindu temple. He said, I cannot stand to see God, the glory of God, so dishonored by their practice. Many times we just shrug our shoulders. Well, that's the way it is. But, uh, so, and then the last point, be content 
to be outdone by others for the glory of God. Philippians 1, especially 15 and 17. And we'll end with this point today. And also looking that up, George, um, the John 21 passage. Yes. Talks, Thank you. Talks about um, how even Peter's death would glorify God as a martyr. Yes. And Jesus' words, don't worry about John. You follow me. Yeah. Thank you for, I forgot that was one of the references. Uh, Philippians 1, 15. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and those will rejoice. Okay, so <clears throat> Paul's writing this from prison. And he's relating to them that some people are saying, well, Paul's done. You know, God's going to replace him. Other people are better preachers, younger, more skilled, better trained. You know, you know, basically, Paul's in prison. He's out of the picture. He's on the shelf. Other people are going to preach Christ. And what does Paul say? How does he respond to that? No matter what, in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. He's basically saying, so what? It's not about me. If other people preach the gospel, then praise God. Even if they preach the gospel with wrong motives, out of greed, and, uh, prestige all I care about is Jesus is being preached and so the point is I'm content that God is glorified even if it means you know it's not about me John the Baptist said the same thing didn't he I must decrease Jesus must increase. Any comments? We'll kind of end there. <clears throat>